Well, it's good to have you all in the house of the Lord today. God is good all the time, amen? There is no, there is no trial we face that God is not bigger than. Uh, you know, the disciples sometimes would ask Jesus, well, how is this possible? How can a man come to God? And Jesus said, with, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Look at your neighbor and say, all things are possible. We just welcome all of you, those of you joining us online. Thank you for joining us and being with us today. We've been on a series that I've been calling The Sword of the Lord, and today I'm preaching a message. It's going to be a part one of a two-part, and I've titled it Why You Need God's Word, and I've given you an outline. So today's outline, uh, you will fill in. I don't have it filled in for you, but I'll give you the fill in there for you, and we're going to be going through uh, several scriptures but the uh, foundational scripture I want to look at today is going to be found in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 17. Before we read that, I just want to say that one of the greatest needs for the church today is a fresh hunger for the Word of God. I mean, this, this book here that I'm holding up is the very words of God to man. It's one of the greatest gifts that He has given to us to show us how to live life. What is good? What is evil? What is, what is uh, truth? What is falsehood? And I remember when I received my first Bible, in fact, uh, this is my first Bible. I was nine years old when I received this, and uh, I just looked at the uh, date. It was given to me by my, my first Sunday school teacher that I ever remember. Her name was LaVon Glasgow. I was in a little little community called Brewster, Kansas. And uh, I received this Bible, and it is uh, 50 years old this year. And since that day that I received this Bible, I have collected uh, over 30 Bibles in which I dig into, uh, into God's Word. One of them is called a, a parallel Bible, and it has four, four translations in it. And that kind of gives you a real, that's a really good study Bible to, to go through. And I just want to say today... Again, all of you that use your phones, that's great, but I'm telling you, there's some awesome, awesome study Bibles that will blow your phone away, and uh, that's one of them, the Parallel Bible. I've got a Dead Sea Scrolls Bible, um, and it's just, it's amazing, some of the things that you can find in God's Word. i got a Praise and Worship Bible. It kind of concentrates on the praise passages of Scripture, so there's a lot in there that you can learn and study. Um, and the Bible has 66 books contained in one book, and it sets itself apart from all other books. In fact, the reason God gave us the Bible is significant, and I want to give you nine reasons why, and you can see why I'm not going to do that all in one day. Uh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, it'd be a little too long to get through nine, nine points, uh, you would get an F on your paper at Bible college, if you gave your congregation nine points, that'd be way too many. So don't give them nine points. But I'm going to give you five. I think you can handle five today. Amen. Then I'm going to give you the other four next Sunday. But I just want you to know that the Bible is not just for good reading. It's not just a good piece of history. It's not just a good piece of literature. It's not a collector's item that you, you collect and then you put it on your shelf and never look at. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 17. We are given God's Word so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That we may be adequate 
for the job and that we will be equipped for the job. How many of you have ever uh, needed to fix something and you didn't have the right tool? You weren't equipped. But once you got that tool, you were equipped to do the job and you could finish the job. In fact, not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, uh, we were dealing with a water valve on our tub and it wasn't quite getting the pressure that it needed and I, it was needing changed out. It, but if you've ever tried to change out a water valve in your wall, uh, that thing doesn't want to come out. But there is this little tool that you can put onto it and you can screw it onto it and it will, you can pull it out and then if it doesn't come out, you just tighten it a little bit more and you'll see it just starts pulling out. And if you have the right tool, you'll be adequate for the job at hand. But so many times at the job of life, people are not adequately equipped and it's because they don't use the tool. This is like the ultimate multi-tool. You know, guys, you know, some of you might have a, a Leatherman, you have a, a multi-tool, and you can pull out, you got a screwdriver, you got a magnifying glass, you got this, you got that, you got a pair of pliers, you got a knife. It's a multi-tool. That's what the Bible is. It is our spiritual multi-tool. And uh, the, question, the question that I have for you today is, why do you need this? Why can't you just get somebody else's advice on something? Why can't you go to the uh, priest and find out what he has to say, or to the pastor? Now, all of the, uh, the pastors are needed and necessary. They're a part of the gifts of the body of Christ, but individually, we need to know the Word of God. Amen? I mean, your pastor doesn't walk through life with you day by day, and, uh, but God will. And I'm just sad to say that there are far too many people who are living life without God's tool for life, and it is frustrating them, and it's hard for them. And I'm going to just say this. It is impossible for them to find true fulfillment in their life because they're missing the roadmap. Amen? And, you know, Christians are guilty of this, too. They're, they're guilty of this, too. We have this tool, and it gives us the answer to all of life's problems, but oftentimes we just set it down on the shelf, and there it lays. Amen? You know, we don't really use it. We don't get into it and get it involved in our lives like we really could. Amen? So I want to give you five reasons today, total of nine before we're all done, and I want to help you know why you need God's Word. Number one, the first fill in the blank is to help you know God. It's to help you know God. Write that down. I mean, this is not rocket science, but if you want to know God more, you need to read the Bible more. You need to read His Word more. The Bible is a book about God. It tells us what God is like. It tells us what heaven is like. Book of Revelation at the end, it tells us all about what heaven's going to look like. And it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, how God lives is recorded in this book. How God wants us to live is recorded in the Bible. And what the future is going to be like. You know, people go to psychics and all these people and fortune tellers to find out their future. Read the Bible. The Bible tells us what the future is going to be. By. In fact, do you know what the number one greatest book 
that is ever sold is? It's the Bible, and it comes in first every single year. It's the number one selling book every single year, not just in the United States, but worldwide by millions of times over. Listen to this. Billions of copies of this book have been sold. This, the, the closest book to it in, the, in sales figures is A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens that has about 200 million No other book in history holds a candle to the Word of God. And it's God's book. It's about Him. It reveals Him. It helps us know Him. And the reason it's the number one selling book every year is because it changes lives. It is life-changing. The Bible is life-changing. Say that out loud. It's life-changing. Most people are trying to figure out, uh, you know, life without knowing the author of life, without reading the Bible. Most Americans have a Bible in their home, but they don't have it in their hearts. Most Americans have a Bible sitting on their shelf, but they don't have it living inside their self. And so the goal this year, the goal that we want to accomplish is that we want to get the Bible off the shelf and get it into ourself so we can be like God has told us to live on this earth. Amen? Because it shows us the character of God. If we want to know what is God like, it's found in God's Word. If we want to know what His morals are, it's found in God's Word. If we want to know the ways of God, it's found in God's Word. It gives you that wisdom that leads us to salvation in Christ. Now, I want you to also notice in your outline, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, it says this, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings watch this, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. There's no other way to the Father except through Jesus. And we find out how to do that through what He's written in His Word. You know, it would be a tragedy to miss out on the most important thing in life, wouldn't it? At the end of life, to find out, man, you missed out on the most important thing. And this is what he says. Notice this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, I've added verse 20 up here on the screen, but on your outline I have verse 21. But I'm going to read both verses 20 and 21. Watch what God says. The most important thing in life is knowing Jesus. Now, watch this. O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge. Man, that's floating around today like crazy. Now watch this. Which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. Grace be with you. What is he saying? There were those in even that day that knew the ways of God, but they started listening to the ways of the world. They started listening to these, these uh, you know, Fake, what, what's fake, fakely or falsely called knowledge, and they strayed from the faith. That means they were in the faith. They once followed after God. And there was, a, there was an evangelist. Um, he was a uh, Romani uh, from his uh, background, and uh, he, he had the name Gypsy, 
uh, Smith was, was what they called him, Gypsy Smith. And he was a British evangelist, and he, he held evangelistic services in the United States and also in Great Britain. Anybody ever hear of Gypsy Smith? I know uh, some of the older, older, old-timers would know him, uh, but they've probably gone to heaven. But he was actually an early member of the Salvation Army, and he was a contemporary writer. Many of you might remember the name Fanny Crosby, who wrote many hymns in the Bible, well, or hymns in the, in the hymn book. Um, he was a, an acquaintance of hers. Also an evangelist named G. G. Campbell Morgan and H.A. Ironside, Gypsy Smith knew them. And Gypsy Smith once told uh, of a man who said that he had received no inspiration from the Bible, although he had gone through it several times. And that's what he told Gypsy Smith. I haven't received any inspiration from the Bible, even though I've gone through it several times. And Gypsy Smith responded back to him, and he said, let it go through you once, and then you'll tell a different story. You see, there's a difference between knowing it and it knowing you. There's a, there's a difference between going through it and it actually going through you. And so the first reason you need the Bible is to help you know God. Say that, to know God. Now, number two, and we need to hear this in our world and hour today because there's so much falsehood going on. There's so much stuff that is being passed off as truth that is not. How many of you know that? You know, we, we've gone through the whole COVID thing, and we found that there was some stuff told people it wasn't the truth. Amen? We found a lot of that stuff out. We found some things out that the world is saying today that isn't true. And we live today in a world where there are so many moral gray areas, and we need something to show us what is truth. That's point number two, to teach you the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. Now, truth is not individual. In other words, this is a phrase that goes through our world today like, like fireworks. Live your truth. Well, the problem with that is that somebody's truth can be false. So truth is not personal. Truth is not based off of what you think it is. Truth is truth whether you believe it or not, whether you receive it or not. How how many of you know the truth is um, there is a law called gravity, and it will work on heavy items, and it will work on light items. It doesn't matter. The law of gravity it's a truth. It's a law. And I dropped this, and how, how many of you know it's not going to float? It's, it's, it's going to float because the truth is gravity always works. And it doesn't matter if it's a Keys or if it's a Kleenex. I could give you a feather, and it will do the very same thing. So the truth is, you know, this is not individual. My truth is it doesn't matter. My truth could say, well, you know, um, if, I, if I have the right kind of a ball, it won't fall to the ground. Now, and that's my truth, and I'm going to believe that. Well, it doesn't matter. You can believe that, but it's not the truth. 
So what I want you to understand, church, is a lot of times uh, there was this phrase that went through, I don't know, it's been some decades ago, and it may still go around today, but it was, you know, it's all good. You know, it's all good. Is it really? Is it all good? Is everything good? You know, you do something, well, it's all good. No, 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 it's not all good, folks. And it is not all okay, because the Bible is the source book for all truth. I said it this way. Jesus said, I am the way, not a way. I am the truth, not a truth. I am the life, not a life. So Jesus said that all before Pilate. Now watch this in 2 Samuel chapter 7, and verse 28. It says, Now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are truth. Your words are truth. Do you see it? You are God. And your words are truth. Psalm 12, 6 says, For the words of the Lord are pure words. They are as silver tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. John 8, 32, Jesus said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It shall actually make you free. So listen, if you want the truth in this life, in your life, if you want truth for your life, you have to open the book and take a look. And God will show you what it is. When David Livingston began his trek across Africa in 1852. He was a missionary, and he carried, he carried 73 books with him wherever he went. And these books weighed a total of 180 pounds. Now, can you imagine that? Traipsing through Africa with 73 books, weighed 180 pounds. And after he had gone 300 miles, he decided it was time to throw away some of his books because it was just not feasible to carry so much weight through the jungle And he continued to throw away books as he went further and further into the jungle. And eventually, his library shrank to one book. And this was the book, the Bible. He did not throw it away. He did not leave it behind. He kept it because it was the truth. Number three. Not only do you need God's Word to help you know God and to teach you the truth, you need it to show you how to live. That's your fill in the blank. Now, wouldn't it be nice, parents, whenever you had a child and, ladies, you delivered that child into the world, that that child particularly came with an instruction manual? How many of you have had a child and the next one you had was not like the first one you had? And then if you had a third one, you found out the third one was not like any of the other two. Maybe you had a fourth one, and it's like, and a fourth one, they're totally different than all my other kids. And it would be nice to have an individualized manual for how am I going to raise this child. Because, I mean, you know, before you ever have a, a, a child, you've never been a parent before, and even if you have been a parent before to one child, guarantee it. Child number two is not going to be like child number one. Amen? They will be different with a capital D. Amen? 
Well, we really do have a manual in life, and it gives us the ability to deal with the toughest stuff life has to throw at us. And sometimes your kids can throw some tough stuff at you, but life has a way of throwing an even tougher stuff at you. How do I deal with it? The Bible tells us how. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Are you getting anything out of this? Watch this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, look at this in the Phillips translation. It says, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching. Everybody say teaching. And actually teaching the faith for correcting error. We need that today, don't we? For resetting the direction of a man's life. Have you ever gone off and you've been on the wrong road? You've been living wrong. You've been responding wrong. You've been thinking wrong. And it hasn't worked. It resets your life. And it trains you in good living. I want to just say this. You, you can write this down if you want. But the Bible will inspect you. The Bible will correct you. The Bible will protect you, and the Bible will direct you. I'm going to give it to you one more time. Inspect, correct, protect, and direct. Because, church, we're strangers here on this earth. The Bible calls us aliens. We are aliens in this world, and we need help making it through this life. The Bible says this in Psalm 119, verse 19. I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible. And it says this, I am a pilgrim here on earth. I need a map, and your commands are my chart and guide. You know, many years ago, one of England's leading actors was asked to recite for the pleasure of his fellow guests a rendition, his rendition of the 23rd Psalm. So he consented, and he asked if there was anything special uh, that they would like to hear as well. And after he paused, he said, I noticed there's a clergyman here present. Could you, sir, recite the 23rd Psalm after me? When I'm done, then you recite it. And a strange look kind of passed over, and he said, sure, I can, and I will, I will do the same. And so impressively, this great actor began the psalm, and his voice was very uh, polished. His intonation was perfect. He held his audience spellbound as he began to quote the 23rd Psalm, and as he finished, a great burst of applause came out and broke out from all the guests. And then as it died away, as he said, the old clergyman arose and he began the psalm. Now, unlike the actor, the clergyman's voice was not remarkable. His intonation was not faultless. And when he had finished, no sound of applause broke the silence. But also, there was not a dry eye in the audience. The actor afterwards rose to his feet, and his voice began to shake as he laid his hand upon the shoulder of the old clergyman. And he said to the 
the audience. He said, I reached your eyes and your ears, my friends. He reached your hearts. The difference is just this. I know the 23rd Psalm, but he knows the shepherd. And see, there's a difference between knowing the Bible, going through the Bible, and knowing its author. Amen? So it helps you know God. It helps teach you the truth. It helps show you how to live. And fourthly, it gives you spiritual strength. You know, our society is so driven to be healthy physically, right? I mean, what we eat, you know, what we put in our bodies, uh, exercise, even to the point of uh, you have brain games, right? You know, to help people not you know, go into dementia or have Alzheimer's, things like that. There's brain games to even help your mind. And so we're, we're into our minds, we're into our bodies. But I want to just submit to you today that sometimes the most overlooked aspect of a human being is their spirit man. You need spiritual strength. You need strength to be able to overcome temptations. Now watch this. The Bible says this in Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is living. Say it's alive. It says that it's active. It says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It says that it pierces as far as the division of, here it is, soul, mind, will, and emotion, and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Church, that is the Bible. The Word of God is able to judge your thoughts and the intents of your heart. Listen to the Living Bible translation. It says, for whatever God says to us is full of living power. It's alive. That's why this book is the number one seller. This life that we live, it brings the highs, it brings the lows, it brings the plateaus. Amen. And sometimes that is also a rendition of our spirit life. Sometimes your spiritual life is up. Sometimes it's low. Sometimes it's uh, on a, a spiritual plateau. And most of us live our lives in one of three places, the mountain highs, the valley lows, and the mediocre plateaus. Where are you at right now? But regardless of where you are right now, the great thing about the Bible is, is it gives you spiritual strength. You know what I'm talking about? When, when you're going through a hardship and you're going through a storm in life, you can open up your Bible and you can read where God, He'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. The Bible says that He is a friend. This sticks closer than a brother. Ever have a friend just run away from you? You needed their support there, but they're kind of like Jesus' three disciples are out there sleeping. You got a friend that sticks closer to them. We've got a brother. And what happens is you gain strength from that. Amen. Have you ever have you ever received a scripture from a friend and all of a sudden, man, that's exactly what you needed to hear? You know, there was a uh a man by the name of Gaylord 
uh, Kambarami. He was the general secretary of the Bible Society in Zimbabwe. And he tried to give a New Testament one time to a very belligerent man, and the man insisted, you can give me the Bible, but if you give it to me, he said, I'm going to roll the pages up, and I'm going to use them to smoke cigarettes. And Mr. Kambarami said, I understand that. I understand that. But he said, would you just promise me that before you smoke the page, you'll read it. Just read the page of the New Testament before you roll your cigarette. And he agreed it. He agreed to it. He gave him the New Testament. The two men went their separate ways. Fifteen years later, the two men met at a convention in Zimbabwe. And the scripture-smoking pagan was now saved. He was now a full-time evangelist, and he was speaking to the audience. This is what he said. I smoked Matthew, I smoked Mark, I smoked Luke, but when I got to John 3.16, I couldn't smoke anymore. My life was changed from that moment. Here's my question. Aren't you glad that God's Word is more than just words on a page? It's spiritual strength. It's alive. It's active. It's active. It's like yeast. It's active. You put it in there, it's going to affect it. Right, ladies, you know what I'm talking about? You put the yeast in, in that bread dough, that stuff is as flat as can be until you put that yeast in it, right? And then it rises. It just keeps arising. You can't, that's what the Word does. It's alive. It's active. Amen. Say it with me. It helps me know God. Teaches me the truth. Shows me how to live. Gives me spiritual strength. And the last one for today is to get knowledge. Is everybody still good? Can you grab this one last one? Amen. What does the Bible say in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hear that. Who is destroyed for a lack of knowledge? Just the pagans? Just the sinners? Just the people that don't know God? No. His people. My people. God's people. The enemy can come in and destroy you if you have no knowledge. And where do you gain it? You gain it from God's Word. If you want to be a person of knowledge, it starts with God's Word. It starts with the Bible. When you read the Bible, you get knowledge. You get Bible knowledge. You learn the stories. You learn the miracles of Jesus. You learn the parables of Jesus. You learn about the life of Moses and Abraham and King David. You learn about creation. You learn about how the Bible or how the world came to be. You learn about the beginning. You can find out about the end. End times are in there. All sorts of knowledge. And it's right there at your fingertips. And, you know, it's sad that... Even though there are millions of Bibles, and by the way, when I said that the Tale of Two Cities had about 200 million copies, the Bible has sold more than around 6 billion. And the 200 million is the closest second. There are more Bibles today everywhere than there has ever been in the history of the world. 
They're, they're, you go to motels, they're there. You go to hospitals, they're there. They're a click away on the internet. I mean, the Bible is everywhere. In fact, on average, there are 100 million Bibles printed each year. And it is projected, as I said, that there are more than 6 billion Bibles currently in print, which is 140% more than the estimated uh, 2.5 billion copies in print only two years later when I received this Bible in 1970. I received this in 1973. In 1975, that's how much it's increased in 48 years by 140%. The Bible is literally everywhere. Like I said earlier, it outsells every other book every single year, millions of times over. There have never been more Bibles available. Yet, this generation is one of the most biblically illiterate to ever live. It will, it will scare you. It will shock you. If you do an internet search on biblical literacy in Phoenix, Arizona, it'll blow you away. It'll blow you away. Not in a good way. Yet, if I went into the people's homes of Phoenix, if I could go into everybody's home, I'll guarantee it, the majority, I'd find a Bible. Listen, if you never open the Bible, why have one? Please don't, please don't get upset with me, but literally, if we don't open the Bible, it's not doing us any good. It's not a lucky charm. It doesn't ward off demons. It's not some mystical, magical book that it opens up and unicorns come out. You know, it's not, it's not, that's not what the Bible does. It, it, we, we, we need the Bible, but we need to read the Bible. And the reason we need to read the Bible is it's, it's, it's not what it, it's, it's not what it is, it's what it does. It's not just what it is, I'll say that. It's important what it is. It's God's Word, but it's really what it does. And the Bible says this, Jesus said this, and this is a living translation or the living Bible translation, but Jesus said when you get right down to it in Mark chapter 12 and verse 24, he said your trouble is is that you don't know the Scriptures and you don't know the power of God. He said it in the New Living Translation. He said your mistake is that you don't know the Scriptures. You don't know the power of God. There is a survey that was done by George Barna about Bible knowledge among American Christians, and 62% of those polled thought that the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is in the Bible. It's not there, folks. Benjamin, Benjamin Franklin said that. D.L. Moody said, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. When you find somebody's Bible who's fallen apart, their life usually isn't. And you know, Barna also said that those same 62% that were polled thought Sodom and Gomorrah were lovers. 
They thought that Jesus was baptized by Moses. 62%. Listen to this. And that the epistles were the wives of the apostles. You say, Pastor, no way. That, that can't be. It, it, it is. And I'm going to get very real right now. And I hope you'll stay with me and not turn me off. We wonder why our nation is in the moral state it is. And some might laugh at some of those statements that I just gave you about the statistics of Christian people. But if I were to ask everyone who attends Celebration Church, do you believe in the Ten Commandments? I think I would get every hand raised in this room, but here's where it might get a little uncomfortable. If I asked you to tell me with a microphone in front of you right now, what are those Ten Commandments? Quote them for me. Could you do it? If you were asked to quote the 66 books of the Bible, could you do it? You say, Pastor, I don't know if I could do it. Start there. Start there. It's good if you can quote John 3.16. It's great if you can quote Psalm 23. All of those things are good. But we need to know what are the commands of God. What are His Ten Commandments? Because they're not suggestions like Billy Graham said. They're not God's Ten Suggestions or His Ten Commandments. And so what I'm saying, is everybody still okay with me? You still love me? We can put a Bible everywhere, but it doesn't matter if it's not in here. The Bible is not a feel-good book. The Bible is a do-good book. Let me close with this last illustration. There was a mother, her name was Mrs. Jones, and she would relax every day by reading her Bible. And her children would watch her. And there was a little four-year-old that she had, and he would observe her in observing this habit. He watched her for several years. And finally, he said to her, Mama, aren't you ever going to get finished reading that book? You can read it through, but you know what? You're not finished reading it yet. Because... There's parts of it. It'll go through. you. I read it every year, but listen, every day. And I find stuff out of it. I've had this Bible 50 years. I read stuff out of the Word of God. It's like, where have you been? It's always been there. It's just that at this point in my life, at this particular situation of my life, that Word speaks to me. I've read it before, but I never saw it that way before. And that's what the Word of God does. And God will give you a love for his word if you don't have a, you say, you know, I just, I can't read. You know what? God can fix that. I just, I don't, I don't have, listen to it. Just have someone else read it to you. There's apps that will read them to you. Amen? The Bible literally read to you. And then just read it, just watch along with it. 
I pray that we never get done reading it. Well, those are just the first five. I hope you got something out of that today. I know I sure did. We need God's Word. This will fix Congress. This will fix the, the Republican-Democrat problem. Hello? Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. In unity. Amen? Presbyterians and Baptists, Catholics and Charismatics, can it happen if we'll just let the book be the book? If we'll let God be God, it'll work. Bow with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is active. Thank you that it is living. Thank you that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces the soul and spirit, the joints and marrow. It judges our thoughts and intents of our heart. May it go through us as we go through it. As we read it, may it read us. And Lord, whatever you put your finger on, help us deal with it. If we need to ask forgiveness, help us ask forgiveness. If we need to change direction, help us change direction. We pray this in your name. And all the people said amen. Go this, go this week in a very, very fresh anointing. Get a hold of the word. Let it get a hold of you. It's going to be a great, great week. I'll guarantee it. Amen. Love you guys. See you next Sunday. I know it's all you've got to just be strong. And it's a fight just to keep it together, together. I know you think that you are too far gone. Hope is never lost. Hope is never lost. Hold on, don't let go. Hey, hold on, don't let go. Just stay one step closer.